This next episode was recorded in what has become one of my favorite spots here locally. Uh, It is the St. Francis Springs Prayer Center, and it is in the metropolitan city of Stoneville, North Carolina. I don't even think Stoneville is a city now that I think about it. I think it's a town. Uh, Anyway, but I'm going to be talking with my friend Tony Nitz, who is uh, the chef there, and he's been volunteering and working there pretty much since it opened back in the late 2000s. So you will probably hear some people talking in the background because we were actually recording in the library uh, next to the big fireplace in the main room where people can gather. So if you hear that, that's why. But enjoy this conversation with Tony Nitz. Welcome everyone to another episode of Church Talks. I am here at the great St. Francis Springs Prayer Center. <laughs> like there's a bunch of names, um, which is one, what I believe one of the best kept secrets. And I'm not really sure how it's continued to be kept all these years, but in Stoneville, North Carolina, a multi-million dollar facility with, I don't know, hundreds of acres, 140 acres uh, where anyone, I believe anyone, can come and, and stay. And they've got um, accommodations here if you want to come on like a faith retreat uh, with maybe a church group or if you just want to come individually like I do. I'm a solo flyer here. And one of the friends that I've met here happens to be one of the best chefs on this side of the Mississippi. <laughs> and his name is Tony Nitz. Everyone, welcome Mr. Tony. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Happy to be here. Well, Tony, I want you to, um, first of all, just you know introduce yourself. You can um, say your name, your age, maybe where you're from, and a couple of fun facts about you. Okay, well, you got the names. Tony Nitz. Yeah. I'm 68. I just turned last month. And uh, I'm uh, born and raised in Winston-Salem, live in Greensboro. I uh, have worked here at St. Francis Springs as a volunteer right after they opened in 2007 cooking mostly dinner meals to help Father Louis Canino, the founder, mm-hmm. and he's the one that uh, mothered, birthed and mothered this, this place up until uh, uh, December of 2019, and I worked as a volunteer, and then in July of 19, when he wanted to retire, he asked me to come on board as a, uh, uh, a paid staff member to relieve him of uh, some kitchen duties, and I did. He said yeah. 20 hours a week, and my first week I worked 50 hours. So, <laughs> He is a, a, a mafia businessman who was masquerading as a, a, a Franciscan priest. But he's a great guy, uh-huh. and uh, he founded the place. And so uh, that's what I do here. And uh, I not only do I do cooking, mm-hmm. but I also am primarily responsible for the grounds. It's and, a lot of grounds. Uh, yeah, there's 140 acres. Yeah, it's beautiful. And, and then I have other stuff in my life that you may want to... Oh, yeah. We're going we're gonna to get into that. Um, and he's also a very uh, skilled and prestigious fire maker. <laughs> he said he was a pyromaniac growing up. And I was like, oh, you mean you can grow out of that? Because <laughs> I still am, even as an adult. Um, so I don't think I ever got to meet Father Louis. Well, uh, you would know it if you did, so okay. you did not get to meet him. Yeah. He's a terrific guy. Father David. Right. And then Father Bob, but he wants to be just called Bob, and I think he's kind of in and out. He doesn't work here anymore. 
but he comes sometimes, right? That's right. Yeah. That's right. So tell me a little bit more about Father Louis. Well, Father Louis is a Franciscan. Um, he is uh, uh, still has a Franciscan center down uh, in Greensboro on Green Street, and uh, he has a store there with wonderful um, uh, religious and spiritual mm-hmm. uh, items, books, cards, uh, pictures, uh, accent mm-hmm. pieces that you might want to put in your home. Uh, terrific and beautiful. He uh, offers Mass down there every Wednesday at noon, and um, uh, he's still running that store after he's retired mm-hmm. from here. Uh, just a great guy. Um, when we started working together in 2008, uh, it was primarily for me to provide printed matter to him. He, is, mm-hmm. he needed some printing done um, a couple times a year, and then he asked me if I would help cook. Mm-hmm. as a volunteer and I would come about every other Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday and volunteer and cook dinner and mm-hmm. it ended up being about one and a half times a month mm-hmm. on average for 11 years Wow! and um, I enjoyed it yeah. so much. So that kind of segues <clears throat> into, like you said, he needed some, some printing done and we were just talking about how uh, I found out I guess several weeks ago when we were talking about it that you actually have a um, a printing company, or it's a brokerage. So, describe a little bit more of what that is, and you know, I think you're still doing it now, right? Yeah, yeah I am. Thanks, um, thanks, Catherine. Um, I started uh, after I got my degree in education, uh, uh, the first part of it anyway. I needed something to do, and so I decided to work for a friend in the printing business, his father, and um, that was 1978, and I'm still in it, so that's. 45 years, I think, and uh, it's been a real blessing to me. You know, God took good care of me. Yeah. He said, that poor sap needs sales, I'll send him <laughs> some, and, uh, and he really took care of me. So I worked uh, for other, I worked for various printers from 78 till 2008, so was mm-hmm. that 30 years, mm-hmm. and um, uh, as a commission sales rep, straight commission, and was very blessed to have a lot of great accounts. Pretty notable ones, people like R. General's Tobacco, McGraw Hill Publishing, uh, American mm-hmm. Greetings out of Cleveland, uh, just uh, to name a few. I also had a lot yeah. of small clients, so I was very blessed. And uh, I started my own company, and I didn't want to spend money on bricks and mortar mm-hmm. or iron on the floor because the printing industry is, is terrifically overbuilt. Okay. There's just way more supply than there is demand. And so uh, I decided to be a broker, and I started that in 08, and I'm still doing that been diminished quite a bit. Uh, COVID diminished my business a lot, but I still do it. Mm-hmm. And I work here. Yeah. So I waited till I was my, my mid-60s before I started working two jobs. <laughs> well, and so our listeners have a disadvantage that they cannot see you right now. Okay. Um, you're in the best shape of probably any 68-year-old that I know. So I'm guessing you intentionally take care of your physical body. What does that look like on a day-to-day basis of like making sure that you're your spiritual health, your physical health, your mental health, that that's taken care of? You know, uh, I, you would be surprised probably. I do not have an extensive regimen, but I have a, uh, a uh, predictable and repeatable regimen. Mm-hmm. Uh, first thing, I've been very blessed with a, a high um, metabolism. I, mm-hmm. I, I must have a high metabolism, <laughs> and um, I've been blessed with that. The second thing, though, is, is that I love food, mm-hmm. but I rarely overeat. And I, I rarely binge eat, mm. uh, and when I'm full, I kind of stop, and that's I guess that's 
part of it. The other thing is that, that my, my working out is so simple. Somebody told me, a trainer for Wake Forest University basketball team, uh, and he was, he was assisting the basketball team. I was volunteer coaching. I was assistant coach for the Bishop McGinnis uh, Catholic High School um, boys varsity team as an assistant coach. And uh, they had a trainer that trained Wake Forest basketball. He was an assistant trainer. And we were talking about exercises. And he says, well, what do you do, Tony? I said, well, I, I do a lot of push-ups. Mm-hmm. And he said, best exercise, because people think it's just for your upper body, your uh, you know, pecs and your shoulders or your uh, you know, lats. And he said, but really, it's a, a terrific core exercise, because it's nothing more than a plank, except mm-hmm. you went up and down. Mm-hmm. So I do push-ups every day, and I do pull-ups every day, and that is it. <laughs> That's it. But I, I probably walk 10 miles a day in this kitchen. Right. And uh, so I've always been active, and I've, I've been very fortunate to yeah. just stay fit and mm-hmm. keep a you know moderately reasonable ratio of fat to muscle. Yeah. So. Well, you look great, and Thank I think you. what is what is so um, magnetic to you is that like you have such a charisma about just you can talk to anyone and make us I'm gonna say me sure. um, make us feel at home. Like, you know, when we're here, I think I've seen you here, but then I've also seen you at Walmart. Right. Um, and even then, it's like in a public area there, you still just, you know, your eyes, without even saying anything sometimes, your eyes can make somebody feel welcome. And uh, I know that's a huge, or hopefully is a prerequisite for being on staff here. And, but you know, your mental health, like I, I assume that your mental health is top notch. Uh, it seems that you know when when I see you here, you're smiling. You seem like your your thoughts are clear. Uh, is that just something that I'm seeing on the outside, or like are you having to kind of fight over things? No, I would say that um, it would be uh, disingenuous of me to say uh, I'm never grumbling when you see me in a happy mood. I'm, I, I'm just. I'm really average on that. There's plenty of grumbling down there underneath. And sometimes when I'm by myself driving down the road, I'm grumbling yeah. out loud. But I, I, I try to be aware of that. I'm not that great at being aware of that. Mm-hmm. But I try to be aware of it so I can say to myself or I can say a prayer and say, Lord, you know, forgive me mm-hmm. for being a, a griper. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, give me the strength to try to be positive within myself yeah. a, a greater percentage of the time. But when I'm around people and working, people that I work with, mm-hmm. um, my associates or uh, customers, I mean, we're doing this podcast, but you're really my customer here mm-hmm. because you come here and yeah. you, you're seeking uh, some quiet time, some prayer time, some reflection time, uh, something to eat, a place to relax. And uh, my job is to say, what do you need? And try mm-hmm. to provide it to you. And, Right. I, I I appreciate that those compliments and there and I, I I've been told that but I, it really is that I when I see people I feel comfortable to say hello how mm-hmm. are you my name is what is, I'll even say what is your name mm-hmm. so that makes some people uncomfortable if they don't want to tell me that's fine mm-hmm. but um, I've been very blessed with you know, it's a gift. Um, you know, I, I, don't, I guess I practiced it in sales, in printing. Um, you know, you had to be someone that people wanted to yep. work with. I, I remember one fellow I worked with 
worked for, I should say, for many, many years, a great guy. He's just passed away a few months ago, Terry Pegram. He was talking about hiring somebody to be the receptionist mm -hmm. in one of the printing plants he owned. And we were talking about uh, dispositions, and he says, it's just as easy to hire a nice person. Mm. And so the, and, you know, it's not complicated. It's just as easy to yeah. work with yeah. or to provide, give business to a nice person, or it's just as easy for me to make sure that you and all the hundreds of other people I see feel like mm -hmm. I'm a nice person and I'm considerate yeah. and we'll take care of you. Yeah. So. I, know, I feel special, but I also feel like anybody else that comes in probably feels this special. <laughs> <laughs> so I won't, I won't get a big head and think that I'm the only one that feels like that I'm welcomed. Well, uh, you're the only one that's you, and in that right. in that regard, that's right. You are absolutely special, and um, just as those folks are in the yeah. other room that we can hear. I mean, we're all that. Way. I know. I was gonna in, in the intro when I later like edit this podcast. I was gonna let people know, like, hey, we are actually in the library where there are people, and you may hear laughter in the background or the crackling of a fireplace, mm -hmm. um, just to kind of give the the uh, the area that and the atmosphere that we're in right now. So, sorry, not sorry, if you're hearing other people in the background. Um, so, I was thinking about something when I first asked you to do this podcast with me, because I feel like that maybe when you were my age, or even younger, when you were a teenager, like, did you see yourself, I mean, I, I guess I'm kind of asking, like, what was your faith like? Like, what was your, your view of God? What was your view of who you would be in your 60s? Um, and how did maybe those things play to, like play in together? Mm. What, were your, what were your thoughts, like, you know, as a kid or even into your 20s and 30s? Yeah, well, you know, uh, I was very blessed, as I am now. Uh, I'm Catholic. Both my parents were Catholic. My mom, however, was a convert. She was Methodist. Dad, my dad came down from Chicago, a northerner, so he was, you know, baptized Catholic. Most of the folks up there in the out in, in Chicago area is where he's from. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of Catholics there, so we brought that down, that particular Christian faith, and um, so I was very blessed to be uh, baptized a Catholic as a mm -hmm. baby, and uh, um, we did all of the rigmarole that people think Catholics do. You know, <laughs> we stood, we kneeled, we sat, we went to here, we went to confession, we. Uh, it, it was yeah. like boot camp, and uh, it was good for me. Mm -hmm. um, I, uh, it, you know, it helped me, and, I, and that, that not only, it didn't just help me. It, it is a foundational block mm -hmm. still in my life. Uh, it may not be one, you know, when you, when, uh, you know, metaphorically, you build a building and you put that cornerstone in there. So it's, it's terrifically important as part of the foundation because it is in the foundation where the cornerstone is. Um, but it also designates, you know, something important. This was started then. Mm -hmm. You know, that faith that my parents gave me is like, uh, it's, it's a terrific, irreplaceable uh, foundational block to me. Mm -hmm. uh, and it sometimes becomes obscured through the years over the, you know, with age and uh, events that occur in my life or maybe other people's lives. But if you, you know, self-inspect a little bit, you'll see, you know, Thank, thank you, Lord, for making sure that I haven't. Yeah. I, I, I certainly have deviated, you know, countless times, but I haven't forgotten about it, and I come back to it. So, uh, my young years and in, in high school and stuff, I, I um, uh, young adult years, uh, 
I was very blessed to be a, a pretty fervent, disciplined Catholic kid, yeah. a young man, and it helped me a lot. And uh, it, I mean, it not only helped me a lot, but it was, like I said, it was the cornerstone of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I would say that I, I not only had that, which is sort of a discipline, particular Christian religion, discipline but um, the Methodist part of my parents my mom uh, was a willingness to pray I was going to say Catholic, talk about that differentiation <laughs> you know, somebody says to a Catholic says oh how did you what did you think about that reading and uh, you know uh, from Paul say oh we're Catholic you know we don't read the Bible we got to memorize all this <laughs> other stuff now that's not true anymore but it, it was kind of a joke growing up yeah but not only did I have the blessing of Catholic discipline in the, that particular religion, but my mother being Methodist was very much the facilitator in our household when I was a child and the mm-hmm. one that said, you, you know, if you have an issue, you got to pray about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't be afraid to pray. And, I, and, and we would catch her praying. And uh, it was a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. It was a really beautiful thing. Dad, he was, uh, he was an engineer. Uh-huh. Uh, Army, Air Corps, fighter pilot in World War II. He was very disciplined, very buttoned down. And uh, he probably prayed all the time, but you would never know it. Because wow. that's just the way he was. So in my life, just to finish up, uh, that my spiritual life was an important part of mm-hmm. me growing up. And important part of me uh, having children, and mm-hmm. uh, parenting children, and raising my children. Yeah. Uh, How many kids do you have? Five kids, sent them all to uh, Catholic pre-K through 12, <laughs> and um, great schools. Yeah. Uh, really, you know, I'm gonna give a shout out to the to the schools they went to, uh, as a grammar school, they went to Our Lady of Grace Catholic say, Grammar School. OLG? OLG, <laughs> yeah. there on um, uh, Market Street in um, Sunset Hills in Greensboro. Um, just a blessing Yeah. that they went there, and then they went for high school to Bishop McGinnis High School, and that's where I went to high school. That's where all my siblings went. Five of I have four brothers. I have two brothers and two sisters, and we all went to Bishop McGinnis, and all five of my kids went to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. And um, the two older ones, or the three older ones, went when Bishop McGinnis was in Winston, so they had to make mm-hmm. that trek mm-hmm. over to Winston. And then the last two uh, went when it was moved to a big campus in Kernersville. So, you know, I tried to do as good a job as my parents. I'm sure I didn't, but I tried. Have they given you grandkids? Four grandkids. Yeah? yeah. Are they also carrying on the Catholic school? The, the uh, uh, my one son has, Gene has three uh, children and they go to St. Pius. They don't go to St. Pius school, they go to that church. Okay. And then uh, my second child, Christine, has a son, uh, Hudson, and uh, they live in Huntersville, and they go to St. Mark's. He goes to St. Mark's Mm -hmm. Catholic School, uh, which is a great little school. Not great, it's a big school, actually. It's a big big parish. So, yeah, I I hope they are. I pray for them every day. Well, I love it. I mean, do you enjoy uh, being a grandpa? What do do they call you? Pop. Pop, okay. Oh, I call my dad pops. So I mean, well, so, well, I knew there was some <laughs> right. some kind of destiny 
yeah. between us, and that's wonderful. I know. They call me Pop, and um, oh, I'm right in the middle of their stuff, and I'm sure that um, they they love it sometimes and they hate it sometimes. Right. Well, and everybody listening, they can tell that you have, to me, like a voice of like a narrator. Like I can just hear you. I mean, it's like Morgan Freeman being like the voice of God in these movies, and I feel like that you sound like a narrator, and just just these they're just like my thoughts but I feel like that like your grandkids probably look up to you and when they hear you it's like the voice of God <laughs> but, well I guess the furthest thing from that but it may sound like that to it's, them it's, I mean it's just so clear and you have just like a such a deep voice and I'm like what did it sound like before you got that bass in your voice like when you were a kid like, <laughs> I sounded like a whining brat I'm sure uh, uh, but uh uh, thank you for that. That's very kind, and I appreciate that feedback. I will tell you one quick story. Uh, when uh, I was raising, we were raising our five children. Uh, my brother Jimmy had three daughters, and uh, his wife Lisa, uh, at the time, his, uh, had three daughters. Uh, as we were doing something together as a family event, so all the brothers and sisters were together. And, mm-hmm. I heard Lisa, my sister-in-law, tell one of her daughters, I'm going to send you to Uncle Tony's boot camp. <laughs> and, and the child, I won't say her name, the child says, he scares me when I hear his voice. <laughs> so, See? So it was, uh, uh, I mean, I hated that she said that, but it, it made us all chuckle at the time. That was so many years ago. I mean, you, you are always talking with a smile, but I feel like that if, if you were really upset about something and you said it sternly, I mean, I'd, I'd probably jump a little bit, but it's okay, because, I mean, you're so kind and gentle, like, at least all the time that I see you. Yes. But, uh, so this is kind of, and this could be regarding parenting, or it could just be um, with, you know, dealing with people that maybe are younger than you, that you feel like, you know, hey, I've got some years, like, you know, not to say that you're better than anyone or smarter, but you do have more experience. You have more wisdom than somebody like me or, uh, you know, any, anybody in my age group or younger. And so what would be like two things? One thing that you feel like maybe you had to learn the hard way, <laughs> um, or maybe something that you're still learning. Maybe it's something that like God just keeps putting in front of you, like, Tony, when are you going to get this? And then something else that you feel like, man, I really really feel like I did this right and I'm proud of this and I want that to be like a legacy for me so first thing is what's something you learned the hard way you know I have made so many mistakes I mean and it's it's not I mean when I say that I mean I think back to and it's not just in business it it, uh, things that I looked at back in raising my children I was probably too strict. Uh, so I had the same voice then, and I didn't have as much of a smile. Now, I was not brutal or anything like that, although if, yeah. if they ever hear this, which they, they may, may they, uh, he's lying. He's, now he's a liar. That's a problem. That's not, they wouldn't say that, I would hope. No. But I was strict. And I, I mm-hmm. thought I was fair, but you can be fair and be less strict. And um, I was probably a little too strict. Uh, and, and, of course, by the time... Uh, I learned that it was really too late. The children are up mm-hmm. and gone, and I tell them I have told them. Um, you know, I don't tell them every time, but I've told them on occasion. On occasion, and I remind them. You know, I'm sorry that I was such a hard ass. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I can say that, but I you just can said say it. 
but uh, and uh, they said, Dad, we love you, but you were strict. <laughs> yeah. And and they do love me, and I, I was I was hard on on the kids. So I, that was like that's an example of a mistake on a personal basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I did I did learn to you can be a firm parent or grandparent or friend, mm-hmm. and 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 not be threatening. Mm-hmm. Uh, because there is a way to explain to people when they're doing something that you're advising them not to do, to instead of doing it and trying to be like a drill sergeant, and, and God bless our drill sergeants in our military, but you do it and explain it. So, well, here are your consequences. If you want to go against this advice, you don't have to take the advice. Mm-hmm. But here are your consequences. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't learn that then because I, I had five kids. I was trying to make a living, and I was traveling and I was a straight commission sales rep which what does that mean if you sell something you eat if you don't sell something you don't eat and it's mm-hmm. as simple as that and I paid all my own expenses so if I took a customer to for example I flew eight customers down to the beach I paid all their airfare all their golf everything that's mm-hmm. just what you did if you're straight commission yeah now, you know my point with that was was that I, I had a busy life doesn't excuse me I needed to learn to be more patient or, or, or less overbearing Mm-hmm. But I finally learned that, and um, I think I've, I think now in my sixties, I really do think in the last two or three years, I've finally have learned that. Where I can hold it? a strong position in a debate yeah. or an argument, and and then if somebody says, "Well, I think you're full of it," I'll just say, "Okay." That's <laughs> what it. do you think it? What do you think happened? Like, what did it take for you to learn that recently? Life is short. Yeah. Life is short. Wow. Uh, you think. There were. I remember times as a young parent in my twenties. Mm-hmm. Um, I never thought about my life when I was in the. I would be in my fifties, sixties, or seventies very much, mm-hmm. or eighties, because I think I was pretty typical. I, I mean, you've been very complimentary to me, but I, I'm I'm really a pretty typical person. <laughs> it's just that simple, and that is when you're young and if you're married and raising children and working hard and trying to have some fun in there in the meantime, yeah. um, you feel bulletproof to mm-hmm. an extent. You feel immortal. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'll die one day because I, everybody, you know, I see people die all the time, but you know, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. only 25. As you get older, you realize that um, life is what you have now. Mm-hmm. Uh, your memories are what you've had before, and you don't know what you're going to have in the future. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, so I, I think I finally came to the realization that I'm hoping that my, my kids, for example, my grandkids, uh, family members, et cetera, will say, he was really a, a, a hard driver, but he's really mellowed. And so he saved all the good stuff, and he kind of has kind of sanded away or mm-hmm. planed away some of the, uh, the yeah. uh, uh, harshness. And I, I, I hope I'm not overstating it, but... You can check around one day. Uh, The other thing, that was on my personal level, my business level. He said a couple things. Um, I always felt, um, and I literally, I mean, I I started in the printing business in 78. In 79, I went straight commission. Mm -hmm. I was 20, 20, just turned 24. And I had an opportunity. I went to my dad, who's an engineer, didn't know anything about sales. And and, uh, great guy, courageous guy, went to war, this and that. Did things, supported, very dependable, wonderful. But he was not a mentoring type, and he wasn't gregarious like me. Mm-hmm. He was he was an engineer, and a great engineer. Um, 
worked on underwater missile defense radar systems for uh, a contractor of the government. But I went to him and I said, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, uh, I just don't know if I can be a commissioned sales rep. Of course, I was broke at the time. Had the, we had our first child, my son Gene, uh, second child on the way, who ends up being Christine, totally broke, uh, working for this one printer, and it's not that printer. I was just a beginner with that printer, so he's not going to you know, pay me a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had a good good education. I felt like I was a hard worker, and my dad looked at me and says, Tony, you're 24. Go for it. If you mess it up, maybe you'll be 25. I mean, you know, <laughs> you're going to probably live to be 85 or longer, Yeah. you know, God willing, so just go for it. And I did, and God blessed me with a lot of success. Mm-hmm. And um, but the area that it took me a long time to learn was I was not a conservative person in business when it came to doing things. I felt I could do almost anything. Yeah. Um, so I made some mistakes. Some ju- there were some judgments, mistakes there. Wasn't maybe I was cocky, but I, I never. I don't think people would say Tony Nitz mm-hmm. ever came across as cocky. I just had a lot of confidence that I could make things mm-hmm. happen. And sometimes they, most of the time they did, but yeah. sometimes they didn't. Yeah. And it cost me. I mean, there were, uh, in my career, easily three or four things in my, my business career over the last 45 years mm-hmm. where I had a lot of success going on. I decided, I'll try this too. Ended up coming to bite me in the rear end and I had to rebuild, <laughs> and it was hard. And um, it took me four times before I realized, you know, mm-hmm. You know, maybe she'd be a little more conservative. Did you take that confidence to Vegas ever? <laughs> you know, you uh, some risks? I have never been to Vegas, although I have. I have. Uh, I don't I, recommend it. I have played a little blackjack on a cruise boat and down in the Bahamas. Yeah. I went down with customers and some people from the printing co- company that I was working for at the time, and we played some golf and, and oh. spent some time at the casino. Yeah. But I was pretty disciplined on that. I, I mean, I had five kids had bills to pay. So I gave myself a stake, and if my stake disappeared, that was it. <laughs> That's ST, of course, AK. Because, you know. But I would say that that was, and then what was the other question? You said something that... Uh, something that you really feel like that you did right, and not to be arrogant about it, because, I mean, obviously you've been humble in admitting uh, areas that maybe you, you know, could have done something better oh, and yeah, more I, healthy. And so you've you've humbled yourself now to apologize to your kids. Like, that's huge. Um, I mean, I know some parents, or I know, I know some people that their parents have died and never apologized for, you know, maybe the same thing, being strict and stern and not being so loving. So that's huge that you have seen that and realized life's too short to keep, <laughs> to keep harboring this or to keep feeling like, you know, I can, I can be hard and stern if I want to. Uh, so it's not, it's not you being arrogant at all by saying like, hey, I really feel like I did something right. And I would love to like pass that on to my kids and to my grandkids. Uh, you know, uh, thank you, thank you for uh, refreshing that in my. Mm-hmm. Um, before I go to that, I want to do a footnote on the other thing about things I did wrong. I think that to me, my children, I would have thought they would have never expected me. To, it wasn't a formal apology. Mm-hmm. I said, "Hey, you know, I, I probably was too strict when we were, were mm-hmm. talking. Maybe it was over at a Christmas meal, or maybe it was at the beach. You know, we were all yeah. you know, just doing something down there." Uh, I don't think they would have ever expected that from me, and they would have loved me just mm-hmm. the same. But what happens is, I don't think they'd have loved me less had I not done that. But what happens is, I think what it signals, first of all, is something I needed to do. 
sort of self-serving in that regard. Yeah. But what it signals to them is, Dad's changed. It's a, it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. And he's aware of this, and it's okay, Dad. And so uh, I think that that had a lot of benefit for me and probably some for them. Things, mm-hmm. okay, switching over to things I did right, uh, or thing I did right. I think that um, I mean, there are several things that I just feel really good about mm-hmm. with me, but I, let me just start with something that's pretty simple. I think that I got a super strong work ethic from my parents and my grandparents. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't ever see my grandparents work really. But if, it, if certain things, if certain behaviors can be passed on genetically, and I guess they can, I got it. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter if I'm mowing my yard. I'm, I'm like the, my, my neighborhood's kind of getting old. Everybody's getting in their late 50s or 60s, and they've all paying somebody to mow the yard. I'm like the last guy that does his own yard work because I don't trust anybody else. Right. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but it, I could be doing something like my yard work or working here or working on something with my customers in my print brokerage business um, or I could be planning a birthday party for my daughter like two weeks ago she mm-hmm. she turned 42 God bless her Christine and um, I got in touch with one of my other daughters and I said we're going to do this and this can you gather the people together we're going to go to the sports bar after her son plays soccer and she said well maybe and, and I said I'm going to make a cake so I you know I, I made a cake and uh, what my point with that is is that sometimes working hard isn't splitting the atom. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's just breaking a rock, mm-hmm. and or splitting a rock. Uh, mm-hmm. man, that, that's 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 a nice little uh, uh, comparison. Yeah, uh, it's hard to you know to split an atom to know what to do to have others all that education and get all the equipment and and. There are other things like that. To learn to be a brain surgeon, to learn to be a good brick mason. Yeah. But, and you work hard at that, but, but you can work hard at other things. And it's, and it's just as important to your character. Um, if you're going to be a broom pusher, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Getting paid for it, if, if that's going to be occupation, that'd be your occupation. Uh, be the best broom pusher. That you can be. Mm-hmm. That may be. That doesn't mean to be the best broom pusher at St. Francis Springs. Be the best broom pusher, right? And be and and be proud that you're doing honest work. And then if you want to elevate yourself to do something else, then learn that and move up. Mm-hmm. But my advice to people when they ask me is is uh, there is no um, replacement or substitute for hard work. There's none. Mm-hmm. And you say, well, it's good to be lucky. It is good to be lucky. And if you're lucky this week, then you're probably not going to be lucky for another couple of years. I don't know. But, but you know, right. it, it, uh, yeah, I get it. so I feel like that is one area that has, was handed down to me that I did not um, let go mm-hmm. of. And um, I think another thing uh, is that uh, I have a love for kids. Uh, as harsh, as, as, de- as demanding and strict so was my kids. I loved them, and, yeah. I, and I told them every single day I loved them, and I still do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I think that's something I got right. I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a real, I'm a lover, yeah. and I'm not afraid to 
to put my arm around somebody. So I said, oh, well, you, you think it's okay you hug them? I said, well, they didn't turn around and shoot me. So I guess <laughs> if they hated it, they won't get close to me again. But at least, they, or, or if they loved it, then they'll let me hug them again. I'm a real believer that yeah. you express yourself. And I think I've got that right. I'm still being, I hope I'm, I think that keeps me young. Right. And I'll, I hope I you agree. keep doing that. Yeah, I'm sure just like for me, 2020 and 2021 were hard for you where we had to stay six feet apart. Had to, yeah, quotes. Right, right. Um, I didn't do very well with that, and right. I don't feel like you did. No, no, Lord, no. Right. <laughs> like, well, if there's a disease or whatever, we're just going to believe Jesus can heal it. <laughs> like, I got, so I got, I got two more questions. Yeah. Um, this could be really short, or it could be a, a paragraph. I don't know. It could be a novel. Um, how do you define the soul? Of a person, yeah. I know that's what you just woke up this morning thinking about. No, but you know, I—I I mean, the first thing that popped in my head when the, you finished that question mm-hmm. was, "What did I learn as a young student at St. Leo's Grammar School in Winston-Salem from the Sisters of St. Joseph who were down here teaching mm-hmm. us, folks?" Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and and what did I learn from them by way of the Baltimore Catechism? Any, any Catholics that are near my age that are listening to this, they'll know exactly what I, I mean by the Baltimore Catechism. Baltimore Catechism. Mm-hmm. Okay. That was know. the Somewhere. that was sort of the uh, clearinghouse. The like a like you say this particular Merriam-Webster dictionary is unabridged. the clearinghouse for all the mm-hmm. words in the American. I mean the English language. It's sort of the clearinghouse uh, of what you're supposed to do Mm -hmm. as far as learning the Catholic religion. And I can't remember what they taught us in that, but I've always felt like it was and is um, the true child of God is is our soul. That is God's true child. Mm. And now, if any priest listen to this, they're going to say, oh, he stepped off the cliff on this but God married that everlasting soul into this yeah. body. And I think the body as we have it now is obviously temporary on this earth. Uh-huh. But the Christian Apostles' Creed, the resurrection of the body and life everlasting, amen. So ultimately, and this is what I believe, mm-hmm. uh, is our soul will be our whole being as we are now, mm-hmm. body and then our spirit, our soul, in heaven and perfect. Mm. Because the, the, the creed says, I believe in the Holy Spirit, Holy Catholic Church. Catholic with a small c there. Mm-hmm. It's not like, well, you don't believe in the Methodist Church? That's Catholic meaning the universal church throughout the world. Mm-hmm. I know we're divided, but we're all, we want to get back together, hopefully. Uh, Holy Catholic Church, communion of saints, forgiveness of sins, resurrection of the body. Resurrection of the body means like God God was resurrected, Jesus was resurrected, went to heaven in his human body, he ascended. Mm-hmm. Mary went to heaven without the pangs of death in the assumption. So they are, Jesus is their body and soul, Mary is their body and soul, we will be their body and soul mm-hmm. when we get there. Yeah. And so it, it will be uh, our spirit and soul as we feel it now but in a perfect body, of course, sinless. Mm-hmm. And we'll be in perfect joy. And we're not going to be saying, now how do we figure that out? How's that going to happen? 
We're, we're not going to worry about it. Nope. It, will, it won't matter. Right. So that's that was almost a novel. Sorry. Yeah. When you ask me a question, it isn't usually going to be a sentence. I know. I like it. Now, if I ask you a couple of rapid-fire questions. I'll be fast. I end, promise I'll be those fast. Those are like one word, but some okay. people don't abide by that either. Um, so the next question, or the last question before the rapid-fire is uh, if someone walks here or, you know, walks into St. Francis or uh, and maybe somewhere else, but obviously I feel like that a lot of times people come here with a purpose of, um, like, needing clarity. They're, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're coming here to really seek and, like, seek direction and to grow their relationship with God. But maybe somebody's coming that really feels like they don't even know who God is anymore. Maybe their faith journey has just been um, just turned upside down due to life circumstances or, um, you know, whatever it is. And they're just in a place of where they're just like, I don't know. Like, I don't even know if I still want to believe this. Uh, like, what would you say to that person? Is, is there like advice or some type of encouragement or direction that you would give that person? I, 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 I think that's a great question because it's really a pretty simple answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll try not to make it complex with my answer. Okay. Um, there's a song back in the 70s by a group called Three Dog Night. Okay. Okay. And the name of it was Easy to Be Hard. And everybody listening to this should look it up on YouTube and listen to it. Easy to Be Hard yeah. by Three Dog Night. Yes. Okay. And what it tells, it tells a story about people that are caught up in a lot of social justice. Social justice is important. We should try to see the big picture. Mm-hmm. But really, what this, what this song says is it's easy to be caught up in that. And then when somebody you run into, or maybe it's a friend that you actually know well, mm-hmm. maybe it's somebody that you just meet, and you don't even give them the time of day. You don't welcome them. You don't look at them such a way where you might say this person may or may not have needs that mm-hmm. I might be able to help them with this person may or may not be on a journey trying to get back to Christ or back to a, some levelness in their life to where yeah. they don't feel like they're trudging uphill all the time you don't know that so you take it for granted mm-hmm. that you're going to give them and in your greeting and welcoming you're going to give them the most wonderful safe place that's happy when you greet them. Yeah. So when they see you and they walk away after you greet them, they'll say, I want to see him again. I want to see her again. Mm-hmm. I want to talk to them again. I like being with that person. They make me feel worthy mm-hmm. because you know what? That person is worthy. And so that song says, it's easy to be hard and get hung up on a lot of big picture things. You're going to change the world. And, um, how about in, in one of the lines is how about a needed friend? I need a friend. And so it's really a good song. Uh, and it's sort of like I'm probably misinterpreting what Jesus was doing when he was roaming around in the in you know the Mediterranean there. <laughs> but um, I don't remember in any reading into the Bible stuff that Jesus said. I want all you guys to get on ship and get way and go way over to the far reaches of the known world and start yeah. fixing all the problems. <laughs> it was pretty much more like, take care of your house right here. Mm-hmm. You know, take care of your house. Be kind to one another. Uh, you know, there's all, all kinds of things in the, in the mm-hmm. Bible. You know, 
don't worry about the splinter in your neighbor's eye. You've got a beam in your eye. It's like, take care of stuff right in your own backyard. And that will be a pebble on the pond. And when a pebble hits the pond, what happens? Those ripples hit all shores. Yep. And, and that's my philosophy. Well, I'm a recipient of that. But after being in your presence one time, it's like, I want to come back. Um, that is awesome. God. I love your answers. I love this conversation. Uh, and I want to be mindful of your time. So I'm going to ask you a couple of rapid no, I'm fire I'm going to be questions. rapid fire. Okay. Now, we've already talked about your cooking and how I said that it's really hard for me not to overeat and to be a glutton when I'm here and you're cooking. But what is your favorite meal to cook and or to eat? I love a great beef roast for me to eat with mm-hmm. guests and friends having a bottle of wine and catching up. Mm. I mean, the whole, you got the whole mood. Yeah, I like uh, yeah that's, that's <laughs> that. Uh, that. That would be it, yeah. Okay. And what's your favorite holiday? Christmas. Easter's more important, but I love Christmas. Okay. I feel like I know the answer to this, but do you make your bed in the morning? I make it every day. Every day. There's a book by a colonel, I can't think of his name. Uh, and I, uh, if I have the blessing to come back and be on your show again, okay. I'll bring the book. But it's it's written by a, uh, uh, I think it's either I think it's an Air Force Colonel, full Colonel, Bird Colonel, as they call him. It's called Make Your Bed, and basically it, it, I can boil it down to one paragraph. If you can't get up and make your bed in the morning, then you got a lot of uphill climbing during the day. Hmm. Yeah, make it every day. I got to do better. <laughs> do you prefer? Oh, it's not perfect, right? <laughs> <laughs> I do like to get into a bed that has been made but I don't like to get up and make it because I'm thinking like, I'll get back in it later, I'm gonna mess it up. But anyway, that's just me being lazy in the mornings. Um, do you prefer hot weather or cold weather? Cold weather. Mm-hmm. And what is, and I, you probably already answered this, but what is a risk that you're glad that you took? Getting married. Okay. And last question is, if you could be remembered as one word, what would you want that one word to be? No pressure. <laughs> Asking me to give you a one word answer. I know. What about, uh, what about one sentence? But no one word. I'll be, okay. I'm not going to, I don't expect you to bend the rules for me. Uh, A lover. lover. And I mean a, a lover of people, not yeah. like a, a lover on a movie. Right. <laughs> Just a lover of people. Well, I love that. I'm a lover too. Yeah. It's awesome. I can tell. Well, You're a blessing to have here at this center. Thank you for coming. Well, thank you. Yes, Is there anything else that you want to say or like? I am very honored to, for you to invite me to do this. Uh, I'm very impressed with your organization on this. What organization? <laughs> well, no, I mean you have you have good questions, and well, thank you. Uh, um, you know, the people that I think that are most successful around other people are people that listen to other people, mm-hmm. and you're a good listener. Well, thank, so thank you. you, and thank you for coming. And, and this is a beautiful place right here, San Francisco. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not sure God could God could make anything be more beautiful, but when people like you and other guests, but we're talking about you, our come. It beautifies what is already on um, people can 
It's in a perfectly beautiful place. Mm. It really does. Mm. Well, an extra plug for St. Francis Springs Prayer Center <laughs> uh, on Grogan Road in Stoneville, North Carolina. And you can come and stay the day for $25, I think. Um, overnight, there's hermitages if you want to come and just stay by yourself. There are cottages if you want to stay with a family. My family has done that. Uh, and then there's more like hotel-style rooms like in the main hall where the cafeteria and the library um, and the wonderful fireplace is. There's uh, walking trails, labyrinth, waterfalls. What am I missing? There's just there's so much... Um, just beauty and scenery here and I encourage everybody if you can I, even even if you live far away there's people I think here this weekend or will be from California there's a, there's a young lady here right now I believe is from California yeah and I know I've met people here that are from uh, New York and even some from I think another country that have well, heard about this Catherine's here with her group now Catherine mm-hmm. and uh, it's a great name she's from uh, yes it is <laughs> she's from South Africa or as they wow. say South Africa Africa yeah, so you don't have to be nearby. Like, it's worth a flight to get here and to experience everything that goes on here. Um, but thank you again, Tony. And you absolutely have uh, as many invitations as you want to come back for a part two. So we can schedule that for a few months out. But thank you again so much. You're so welcome. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. God bless you. And thank you guys for listening to another episode of Church Talks. Hey, before you guys leave and start listening to another episode of Church Talks, Could you take 10 or 15 seconds and just go on Spotify, Apple, wherever you're listening and click follow or subscribe or like or the plus sign, whatever it is where you're listening. Uh, That would mean a ton to me. And that way you'll never miss episodes when they're coming out on the weekends. Thank you so much, as always, for listening and supporting and subscribing and following. I love you guys so much.